I sometimes hear people say that the world around us is getting more and more confusing every day. Technologies and cultural values seem to be constantly evolving. What once seemed so obvious, so apparent to people, it's now a matter of hot dispute. All that is solid, as Karl Marx once put it, now melts into the air. And if all of this, all of this rapid technological and cultural change isn't bad enough, many people find that truth itself is increasingly hard to find. Everyone has their own favorite sources of information and opinion. But which is right? Who knows the truth and, and how can we know it when we see it? And with all these competing voices and competing opinions, how are we supposed to make the right decisions in life? How can we navigate life well if we don't even know what is true? And maybe you yourself have wrestled with those questions, and maybe not. But I think it's undeniable to say that there are many people today who are very confused about what is true and how they can live well. And that, according to J.I. Packer, is precisely why we need to know God. In chapters 9 and 10, Packer turns his attention to the subject of wisdom, which he defines at the very beginning of chapter 9. In Scripture, wisdom is a moral as well as an intellectual quality, more than mere intelligence or knowledge, just as it is more than mere cleverness or cunning. For to be truly wise in the Bible sense, our intelligence and cleverness must be harnessed to a right end. Wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the means of attaining it. Doesn't that sound exactly like what we need so badly in the world today? Not only the power to see what is right and true and best, but the inclination to choose it and the means of attaining it. That's really what people long for. Not just the knowledge of what's true and false, not just a cunning ability to identify a goal and go about getting it. No, what we really want is to be able to see what is true and good, to choose it without hesitation, and then to attain it. The question is, how can we get this ability? How can we become wise? Well, for Packer, the answer to that question begins not with our wisdom, but with God's. The first step to becoming wise, he says, is to recognize that God is wise. And in order to do that, we, we first need to understand what it is that God wants. What exactly is his purpose, the goal toward which he is acting? Well, Packer breaks it down into stages. First, he talks about God's ultimate goal. God's ultimate objective, he says, is to bring his human creatures to a state in which they please him entirely and praise him adequately, a state in which he is all in all to them, and he and they rejoice continually in the knowledge of each other's love. The book of Revelation gives us a vision of that ultimate objective in which God's people experience perfect delight in their love of him and his love for them. When, as we read in Revelation chapter 21, the dwelling place of God is with mankind. He dwells with them and they are his people and God himself is their God. That is God's ultimate objective. 
But he also has more immediate objectives. His immediate objectives, Packer says, are to draw individual men and women into a relationship of faith, hope, and love toward himself, delivering them from sin and showing forth in their lives the power of his grace. Knowing that these are God's goals, Packer says, we can begin to recognize his wisdom in bringing them about. And one of the first things that we learn about his wisdom is how difficult it is to understand. There's an often quoted verse from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, where God says to his people, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And that, Packer says, is exactly what we learn about the wisdom of God when we pay attention to how God achieves his goal in the lives of individual people. Just look at the patriarchs, Abraham, Jacob, and Joseph. Each of them endured long and difficult years of testing and trial. If you'd asked them in the midst of those years what God was up to and why, why was he allowing them to undergo such hardship, no doubt they would have been at a loss to explain it. How could allowing Jacob to be deceived or Joseph to be wrongly imprisoned be good? Where's the wisdom in that? And yet, as we read these these stories until the end, it becomes clear that God did precisely what was needed to mold them into the saints that he intended them to be. And the same is true with us. We may be frankly bewildered, Packer says, at things that happen to us, but God knows exactly what he is doing and what he is after in his handling of our affairs. Meanwhile, we ought not to hesitate to trust his wisdom, even when he leaves us in the dark. So although we may not understand his ways, we do know that God is wise. He knows what is true, he intends our good, and he knows how to bring it about. He has, as Packer put it earlier, the power to see, the inclination to choose the best and highest goal, and the means of attaining it. But you might be asking, but how does this translate to our wisdom? God may see what is true and know what is best and understand what's needed to get there, but how does this help us as we attempt to navigate the the difficult and confusing questions which we face in our own lives? Well, I think that Packer's answer to that question is contained in the next two chapters, chapters 10 and 11, which focus on our wisdom and on God's Word. In chapter 10, he begins by addressing some misconceptions that people have about what it means to be wise. For instance, some people, he says, mistakenly think that in order to be wise, we need to understand the ins and outs of what God is doing and why. We might think that living wisely means discovering the specifics of God's plan for our life and then following that plan. But that's not how the Bible teaches us to think about wisdom. Indeed, Packer says, the truth is that God in his wisdom to make and keep us humble and teach us to walk by faith, has hidden from us almost everything that we should like to know 
about the providential purposes which he is working out in the churches and in our own lives. So wisdom then is not a matter of understanding God's plan. Wisdom, Packer says, is a matter of trusting him and following his guidance even when we don't understand what he is doing or why. That's the basis of human wisdom, not a sharing in God's knowledge, as Packer puts it at the end of chapter 10, but a disposition to confess that he is wise and to cleave to him and live for him in the light of his word through thick and thin. Now that last part is especially significant for Packer. Wisdom is a matter of living for God in the light of his word. And that's why in the very next chapter, chapter 11, he turns his attention to the Word of God. It's a fairly basic chapter in many ways, but it's incredibly important. In chapter 11, Packer wants to make two main points. First, the God of the Bible is a God who speaks. He creates with His Word. He instructs. He commands. He makes promises. In fact, that's one of the most striking things about God, as he's made known in the Bible. The God of the Bible is a remarkably talkative God. But equally as important, Packer says, isn't just that God speaks, it's that he's truthful. He doesn't lie. And when he speaks, his word is true. And whether that word is instruction or a command or a promise, it is true. You can rely on it. In fact, if you want to live well, if you want to be wise in this world, this world of endless and competing voices, then that is the only thing you can do. Listen closely to and rely on God's word of truth. In fact, Packer goes so far as to say that's what it means to be a true Christian. True Christians, he says, are people who acknowledge and live under the word of God. But then at the very end of chapter 11, he poses a question. Why, he asks, does this description fit so few of us who profess to be Christian these days? Why do we so rarely seek God's wisdom in Scripture and strive to live under its authority in our day-to-day -day lives? You will find it profitable, he then says, to ask your own conscience and let it tell you.